Welcome back to episode 180 of the Blockburner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. Another way to stay up to date is by signing up to our newsletter at theblockrunner.com. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Ironman, and today we bring you Jeffrey from Recursiverse. Here are some of the topics we discussed today. First up, we discuss the challenges of the metaverse and the best way for the community to collaborate. Next, we touch on the potential of the metaverse on Bitcoin known as Bitmap. Then, what is Recursiverse and its focus on the tools for the 3D creator ecosystem? And finally, what is Jeffrey's opinion on the future of the Web3 space? All right, let's listen in. Welcome back to another episode of the Block Runner Podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, Iman. What's up, dude? And on the sticks, we got TJ. Hello. And finally, today we got Jeffrey from Recursive IO joining us with today. Appreciate you joining, man. Jim, guys. All right. GM, GM. So we've seen a lot of your tweets. Very Been very impressed with what you've been working on. Yeah, I think this discussion's a little, like... Uh, I don't know, like we should have probably interacted with you in your, uh, probably a month or two back once you started actually deploying some of the first like uh, experience on top of bitmap. So you, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get into that exactly what that means for people who aren't aware. But um, I guess you, you have probably been following along the bitmap evolution as long as we have. So mm-hmm. and of course, the whole call to action of bitmap itself is who's going to come and build value on top of it. So you guys have definitely been one of the biggest contributors this, thus far. So, yeah, we figured let's invite you on. Let's have like a deep dive conversation about all things metaverse, all things Bitcoin ordinals. And, you know, where do we all think this thing is headed? You know? Yeah. Jeff, Jeffrey, did you happen to catch the interview between Lex and Zuck? that happened over the weekend? Uh, no, sorry. I didn't catch that. I would do like, I would do that. Like, uh, after this. Yes, definitely watch it because they have an entire conversation in the metaverse. Yeah. And, and it's very, very impressive. I think you'll, you'll like it. Yeah. It's, and it, but just have the context is you say metaverse really, it's just like a dark room with yeah. like two floating heads, but they're like the most accurately rendered heads of all time. Yeah, that is, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's very convincing. And, um, it feels like one of those, you know, inflection moments where now people are starting to realize like, Hey, this metaverse thing has legs, you know, there's, there's yeah. If you look at the comments, the comment section, they all say that they were all impressed, which is the stark, uh, difference between, you know, just a year ago where everyone hated the metaverse. Agreed. So I feel like we're entering this new bullish period. Yeah. So let's get into, uh, what you guys have been working on. If you can, um, Jeff, just give us a quick rundown. First of all, like, your, your background in history in, in Web3 or Web2 and like how, now how are you gravitating towards this ordinals and bitmaps ecosystem? Yeah. So, uh, like, I'm a big fan of old games. I've been playing games for like 25 years. <laughs> and uh, we have lots of experience um, building games, uh, game engines, VR games, metaverse in Web2. And uh, like when we are building VR games, there's no, nothing called metaverse. It's just called like virtual world. So people go in there and have fun, chill. And then we have an app, mobile app, and we have 35 million users in just six months. So we experience lots of stuff with like people actually loving doing these kind of things in metaverse. Like they actually have the concerts, they have like virtual classes. 
like some people actually have virtual weddings in our app. Mm-hmm. So we have lots of confidence in that. And uh, I'm a crypto guy. Like I know Bitcoin long ago and uh, all my investors, all my friends are doing crypto like 10 years ago. All these big guys you guys know about, Tron Network, Binance, mm-hmm. like we are very, very close friends uh, back then in China. So, but we had, didn't have, like we didn't decide to do metaverse in Web3 because I think there's something missing in Web3 to build an actual metaverse. So I missed that opportunity like three years ago, four years ago. But uh, when I saw all the notes coming out, I, I, I was like inscribing some random inscriptions like in February, in March, and also the BRC20 thing came out. So we saw, okay, uh, what can we do on Bitcoin? And then we saw BMAPs. Yeah. Like that is something we never saw before. Mm. It's fully decentralized. It's a concept like not owned by anybody. So we actually believe this can bring something far beyond our expectation in the future, which right now I think few people know about this or few people like understand or believe this, but we saw that opportunity. So we pivot our whole team from uh, Binance chain, from Solana to Bitcoin, to actually build games, metaverse, game engines, tools, marketplaces here. Mm. So that's like the basic background. Dude, that's music to my ears. <laughs> as soon as as soon as we all saw Bitmap, at, at least yeah. between Iman and I, we knew instantly that there was a lot of value and you, and you picked up the same thing, right? Yeah, I think it's important to have that that background in already developing yeah. in this metaverse space, right? Because with to that, really understand quickly, yeah. The I guess yeah, that that that's a good like piggyback. Like, what are you? What, what's your, I guess, interpretation of like what is the most valuable potential behind like all of us developers who before Bitmap we all had our own fragmented effort, right? We're building our own either virtual worlds or our own virtual stacks, whatever chain. What do you think is different now that there's a standard? in place for all of us to kind of like, you know, build in parallel with one another? Like, you know, how do you interpret the, the potential of that? Yeah, because like um, the reason I didn't pay much attention to all this metaverse, like sandbox, decentralized, because I think every product or game has like a life expectancy. So like a game can survive like six months, 12 months, which is great. But after that, people get bored about it or people lose money on it and people just don't play it. Mm-hmm. So we can see this happening in Web3 all the time, like X Infinity, like Stepan. We try them, we buy stuff at low price and we sell them at high price. Some people make money, but most people lose their money. So like I, I'm not going to say morally, but personally, I don't believe in that kind of you know value. So we didn't do anything about this. We're just building infra. Mm-hmm. But with BitMaps, it's actually something people own. Like we, 23, 25K users own BitMaps. Mm-hmm. And the future builders, uh, projects, teams, they have to build around it, like us. Mm-hmm. Like we don't own BitMaps, but I mean, we have some BitMaps, but, but we don't own the concept of BitMap. Mm-hmm. But we build stuff. We spend lots of money, time, effort building uh, the Explorer, building the marketplace uh, for BitMaps. And we believe in the future, no matter it's Animoca, no matter it's whatever company they are, they have to build around BitMaps. If they don't, uh, I don't think they will be accepted by the users in the owner space. Yeah. So when like whenever they build or like why they die, why they lose, why they succeed, succeed it doesn't matter. Only matters is the BitMap we own is going to be valuable and more valuable in the future. Mm-hmm. So what is it about BitMap specifically that allows a creator and developer such as yourself to see so much, so much value though? Like 
Like what, it, what, what is it the fact that we have 25,000 holders? Is it the fact that it's a blank slate? Is it the fact that it's using Bitcoin data to manifest a district and parcels? Like what part about any of that interests you as a developer? Yeah, and to me, I think different people have different ideas. Uh, we actually had a space before with Aximate uh, about BMAPs. Mm -hmm. Like even I and him have like different opinions. Like like for me, I'm not a big fan of the of these block tributes like uh, BMAP Punk or Billionaire. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have them, but I'm not a big fan of them. So for me personally, I think the import, uh, immortality, like everything is immortal on Bitcoin. This is something like yeah. uh, get me interested in the first place. Yeah. So if I have, if I have a space um, like in BMAP and I can inscribe something meaningful to me, like in my family's photos, the music I make, or some letters I send to anyone, or the experience we have there. So if these things can be immortal on chain, I think that's something uh, going to last forever. Like right now, all these uh, shit coins or uh, altcoins, they are going to zero, but Bitcoin is still going very strong. Mm -hmm. So that is first thing like we are interested. And also, like we said before, it's decentralized. So nobody can control this. Mm -hmm. Like no matter who like who is like gone today, like if, if I'm missing or block model is missing, it, it doesn't matter. BMAP will be there forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that's, that's like the main reasons uh, I pick BMAP first. And then we saw some, you know, open source interoperability about it. So actually right now, you can see lots of projects building on it. But when you look into it, we can actually be composable to each other. Mm -hmm. Like when we were talking to the inscribes.space, uh, I don't know if you guys have tried that. Mm -hmm. Like some people love it. Mm -hmm. But like, okay, then we can say you can actually deploy that inscribes.space thing on the BitMap Explorer in our website. Um, you don't have to pay gas fee for it because you already have the HTML inscription on chain. So when you go into BMAP, you can see that space. So everything is composable, it's interoperable. Uh, that's something we think is very different. Like like you cannot play sandbox in Decentraland, right? Yeah. Correct. But you can play all these kind of projects in like yeah. multiple BMAP products. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we're gonna hundred percent agree with you there. It's it's like a concept that we've been trying to proliferate as long as we've been developing in this space is the idea of an the application layer of the metaverse is going yeah. to be very reminiscent to the application layer of, of the internet right so in the same way i guess like um like functions or, or different stacks of, of the internet are interoperable meaning like they could all be deployed when you custom create your own web platform or web page whatever i think the same expectations will exist when you're developing in a virtual environment, right? Like a lot of these same functionalities should be able to port over and carry over to different virtual platforms, right? Yeah. I mean, you know. if you develop something in HTML, it's going to run mm. on your own website because you develop it. But if you copy and paste that code and yeah. put it on your computer, it's going to run as well. Correct. Yeah. Right? So, so we I need think the same functionality for the metaverse. Yeah. So like exactly what you're saying, like inscribe, whatever it is, whatever stack, I guess, that gets built, like inscribe.space has built a stack, right? They've built a builder tool and they've have their own functionalities as far as like their own physics rendering within that, within this content layer, mm -hmm. all that can be, you know, ported over and, and deployed as part of an, another, you know, virtual ecosystem, like the one you're building with your Explorer. Right. And then you could port in some other mm -hmm. components of another stack as well into that. So obviously it's, it's, there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be put in place to enable this. So I guess, um, yeah, I guess that would be a good question. So I guess kind of break down your current day explorer, right? Because we've seen, um, you know, the the how you've kind of created a, 
like a next level version of a Twitter space. Yeah. And, and it wrapped like a 2D slash 3D hybrid environment around that on top of people's bitmaps, right? So we saw that and we're like, this guy gets it, yeah. right? <laughs> we've, we've been talking about Twitter spaces are so boring yeah. in comparison to what can be done in the metaverse space, right? And we've been asking so long for somebody to come out and create like, you know, a much more socially intimate experience for that. So um, is, explain a little bit about what that is and I guess like what your future vision of that, what can that, you know, manifest into? Yeah, the, the like a start, we just want to have an explorer that shows UOP map. Like even t until now, there's no other product doing that. So if you have like a thousand B maps or two thousand B maps, you cannot go to any website like shows like the location of your B maps. Uh, because when people inscribe B maps, they actually care about locations. So if you go to our website and check, like you can check anybody's B maps, right? Mm -hmm. You can see lots of shapes like numbers, alphabets, like heart shape, or their, like, their name, or even like big square, whatever, like the shape they inscribe. So they care about the location and the shape. So we actually want to build that at first. And then we want to have users interaction with each other. Like right now you have like all, like all these websites and tools, but people cannot interact. So the first step of interaction is, you know, talk to each other. So mm -hmm. like chat, voice, talk, or you know, even in the future video, I think all these things can be can be done. It's very easy for us. And uh, after that, we are actually going to have a huge version update, uh, I think this month, uh, because like now it's holiday, but after holiday, we're going to have a big version that it's called like social marketplace or BMAP marketplace. So you can actually have your listings from any other marketplace, like Unisat, Magic Eden, Owners Wallet, ID Club, whatever marketplace it is, you can put that listing on your BMAP. So it's like you holding a store, like a 7-Eleven. Mm. So you can put that URL into your Twitter bio and people go in there, they can see, okay, like here is listings of your BS20, your NFTs, your BMAPs, uh, or your metaverse objects, whatever. They can actually see that. So it's like a metaverse personal page yeah. and people can go there, can leave a message, can buy your stuff. And if you are there, you can talk to them like, like, like with voice, you know, and uh, introduce them about this. Uh, this is just a start. So uh, we'll have more, much more like user-friendly uh, functions about trading. So we believe people actually want to trade on, on BMAPs or in Metaverse. And uh, after that, probably gaming. Like we're not doing gaming right now. So people were asking about us, like why you're building a 2D BMAP, 2D is kind of old school. Mm -hmm. like. We, we our team is very experienced in 3D and VR, but we are building a 2D because 2D is more easy to use. We are always trying to bring something that people can actually get and use mm -hmm. and use for hours. And 3D makes things cool. Mm -hmm. When you look at these traders, it's cool, it's, it's fancy, but people actually don't have that time or energy to go into a 3D metaverse and do stuff with others. And that's just my belief. So we are going from 2D and to trade and to actually have marketplace there and then some interaction or gaming in the future. Yeah. Okay. So basically you're focusing on a 2D platform so that anybody can connect to their bitmap and essentially create a space where we, we can run around as little characters and, and actually use voice with each other. Is that correct? Yeah, but uh, like like we said before, like trading, so you can have more kinds of interaction in the future, mm -hmm. okay. like voice moving around. Sure. Okay. Interesting. 
Did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built Mscribe, the first inscription platform built from the ground up for the metaverse on Bitcoin. Connect your bitmap ordinals and use our tools to bring your community into the virtual realm. Support us by joining the movement at mscribe.io. Like, comment, and subscribe for the latest alpha. Back to the video. Um, <clears throat> and in this marketplace, you're going to also facilitate like 2D content creation, I, I imagine. Like, so, you know, creators can, uh, I don't know, upload different um, 2D objects into their 2D spaces. Is, is that part of the plan as well? Yeah, we actually have some builders actually like they, I think the Bitpads is online. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, somebody has done some skeleton avatar. Uh, it's open source, like uh, me or you guys can go to the website, follow the Gitbook, and you can inscribe like Avatar, like Spider-Man or Iron Man or, or whatever. You can do that by yourself. It's free. And also, like we have another project called like, BMAP Sports Car uh, Club. Mm. So they can actually put all the sports car in that BMAP. And we can go in there, talk to each other and pick out like Ferrari or uh, whatever car we like and mm -hmm. buy it uh, for like $3, $5. And mm. we can, when we buy it, we can like instantly drive that car away so it's not working again it's driving a sports car mm -hmm. so anything you can imagine from here we can do that i think that's a good approach it's just kind of like get people because yeah i guess the, the leap to i guess from standard everyday web user to like a an immersive 3d thing yeah. it's kind of a big leap for most normal people not so much for the gamer the average typical gamer like we have a lot of experience immersing ourselves in 3d space <laughs> yeah, for, for a lot of different reasons, right? But it was it was last week where we jumped into uh, into a baseball game, a virtual mm -hmm. baseball game, mm -hmm. and uh, I ended up showing it to TJ, and he loved it. And yeah. he's a yeah, big... I thought that was super cool. Yeah, well, but, T but TJ is a gamer, you yeah, know? like yeah. lifelong. So it's like, dude, you know, duh, of course you're gonna do this. You yeah, know, but, but what was interesting is that uh, the chat in that baseball game, they were only talking about the baseball game. Yeah, which I found interesting because that's what we would do if we were at a baseball game. We'd right. be talking about the baseball game. Yeah, I just feel like there's just some sort of there's just like a little bit of friction there. I guess for, again, like yeah. the typical everyday web user who just spends all day on TikTok or YouTube or whatever. Yeah, and they don't play many like games. It's like it's just there's a little bit of a I don't think it's a learning curve. It's just like an experience curve. Sure. Like how do you, you know am I going to be comfortable with with this is like my new web domain, right? Right, right, right. My, my new way to experience the uh the connected internet. But yeah, I guess getting them kind of like um getting their appetites a little bit by introducing them all these the cool factors of like, you know, a multiplayer existence layer, aka the metaverse whatever you want to call it as, but like a 2D environment so it's a little bit more friendly. Sure, sure. Approachable. I think it's a good strategy, yeah. you know, just to onboard some users and generate some traction. Yeah. yeah. So, Jeffrey, what's your take on how the ecosystem is going to evolve? Do you think it's going to be more competitive in the sense that uh, you're going to create a platform where you connect your bitmap and it's going to be like a specific experience and that same person can come to our platform, connect their bitmap and it's going to have a different experience? Like, how do you see this rolling out? Is it going to be competitive or are, are we're just going to connect our bitmaps to to enable separate experiences from separate like projects mm. um uh, <laughs> i believe it will be competitive in the future but right now we actually need more builders to come like we i think we we have to love competition right now because without competition we cannot see great ideas like now i have my ideas but mm. you know most of my ideas are wrong and uh, that mm. just 
everybody's that. Sure. So if we have like 10 times, 100 times more builders, yeah. we can actually do stuff and test it out. And the users will tell us like, yeah. we have been building products for years and we know only the users want is what we want to do in the future. It's not like our ego. Mm. So I think we need more competition right now. Like even like we have space with Life Beyond next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we just love that kind of discussion. Like even they don't use BMAPs. Yeah. So what? We have more people come, share different ideas. And uh, I think the best team or best community will win. But it's not a win or lose game. It's like a building together kind of yes. system. Yeah, we just had a conversation with Ben from uh, Life Beyond. And um, and he was explaining how they were thinking about using BitMaps for Life Beyond. But it's still sort of early. And, and it's very hard for like a project that has been working on their their experience they kind of pivot and and switch how they think about you know building a metaverse in the context of like bitcoin and 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 bitmap specifically so it, it's definitely tough now can they do it yes they can um it, but it has to kind of fit within like you know yeah. revenue generating models and all this stuff which makes yeah. things more complex I think there's probably some unexplored hybrid approach like to a triple A, yeah. I guess like IP like that, like life beyond where they already have this vast immersive experience already pretty much generated and built. Right. So you can create like these, um, you know, these parallel ecosystems along with that. And that is a lot more, I guess, tied or rooted to the bitmap space, mm. I guess, protocol, but still it all like, I guess like, you know, fits within that. Uh, or it's universe. all inter- it's all interlinked, right? Like not yeah. everything has to be like along with the bitmap standard. But oh, I agree, agree. Yeah, you can yeah. have like a you can have your own experience, like completely custom design, but then you have like external, like yeah, you know, pocket cities. Kind of right? like how Decentraland, like Decentraland, started out yeah. as as a as a open traversable world, right? With they had a hundred thousand parcels. And then at some point it's like, this is very limiting. Like right. we actually want the metaverse to be like infinite in scope. Like anybody can come in and participate in our ecosystems. Why are we limiting it to like, you know, 8,000 holders? Yeah. Right. So let's create these things called worlds, right? Which are basically like individual server spaces where anybody can custom create their own yeah. ecosystem, but it all interlinks and interweaves. Yeah. With- and it still looks like Decentraland. Yeah. Right. I mean, Life beyond any anybody building in in a virtual space can kind of integrate this this concept. Yeah, so it's definitely possible. So yeah, I'm definitely int- uh, yeah. Shout out to the Life Beyond team. We're definitely gonna hopefully be there during that Twitter space because you're right. It is all about collaboration. This metaverse endeavor thing. Yeah, it's not going to be solved by any one team, and we know that from personal experience. There's like so many times where we like want to solve all the problems, but we know we cannot. Yeah, even Meta can't do it by themselves. Yeah, so uh, it is all about collaboration and teamwork, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so speaking of Twitter spaces, um, I, I listened to you speak on one of them and you were talking about the differences because you have a lot of Web2 experience. So, And then we like to label, and there's actually a lot of closed metaverse ecosystems in Web3 as well. So you were kind of breaking down the differences between open and closed metaverse platforms, I guess. So and the differentiations between the two and what, what are the benefits of opening up an ecosystem and what can flourish as a result. If you can kind of like elaborate on those concepts from your own personal experience and then why like, you know, Bitmap being probably one of the first true open, open source protocol standards for like the metaverse construction. Um, what do you see as the big pros and cons between the two? Yeah. Uh, 
I think we don't need a, another closed um, platform anymore because yeah. we already have Roblox. I, I'm a big fan of Roblox, mm-hmm. and I play it. I build it. So it's it's very cool. It's it's somehow decentralized, so people actually can you know contribute and build stuff. But uh, you can only play that kind of game on their platform. So that's the reason they are making money. Uh, I mean that that's cool in Web two. But in Web three, we see all these um, games, metaverse, triple A games. Like I'm not a big fan of triple A because mm. I play actual triple A games like Dota or CS:GO. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't believe in any kind of like Web three people can build triple A. It's impossible. Like to be honest, because triple A game takes years, three years, five years, mm. and uh, you know in crypto yeah. it's it's always like bear market, bull market. Yeah. So you don't have that kinds of resources building. Triple A games in bear market, mm-hmm. and when bull market comes, you don't have time. Yeah. So that sounds you know a paradox. Okay. So uh, back to the open market uh, or open source concept. Mm-hmm. I think everything you build in Bitcoin or in any other chain, it has to, like, it can be used in your product, but it also can be used in another product. That's called like open source or interoperable. So when you have like pets or sports car in our explorer, when there's another explorer or there's another like a two D game, uh, your 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 assets can be used and played there. So you actually own these assets. It's not like like you can only play here. So when like we like failed or we have done this, we make lots of money and we left, and your assets go to zero. That happens in Ethereum all the time. I have like ten thousand objects from all kinds of game files, yeah, and.、Uh, They are worthless right now,、mm. so that's why I think it should be open source. And、uh, we need so many stuff like to build this. So first, we need a standard. So that's how people can read your assets, like Bitmap and BRC20. We have all these indexers, so we have to have a standard, and all these indexers can read your stuff, so they can be used at other places as well.、Mm. And also. If you are trying to build a 3D game, like right now we have all these web games, 2D games, it's easy. The main re- like one of the main reasons we build 2D games because 2D can be interoperable very easy.、Yeah. But when you are building a 3D game, it's mu- it's like hundred times more complicated.、Yeah. Like the render, the shader, like Unreal Five, Unity, Unity is not open source, so the- these games cannot be interoperable because the engine they use. So we actually have an open source engine in、uh, in other chains before, and we want to have that kind of concept、uh, on Bitcoin as well. We'll inscribe the whole engine on chain, so everyone can use that, and it can build for like three D games, VR games, triple A games, if you call it.、Mm-hmm. So actually, when you use that, your assets will be immortal forever. That's like the concept we love about、uh, Orinos. So we believe only these type of things can. Live for a longer time. If you're building a close game, the life, like the length of your life, is like expected for like six months, twelve months.、Mm. Not no one can change that. Even Blizzard or Ubisoft, no one can change that. Je- Jeffrey, what's your opinion on、um, having completely all those assets on chain? Are, are we going to see like a hybrid, a, a like design approach, like architecture for like three D and VR games where? Um, much of it isn't decentralized, or should we be focusing on you know doing what you're talking about, like inscribing engines and then allowing developers to leverage those engines using you know recursive inscriptions and things like that? Like, how you know what's the scope of metaverse development when everything is on chain?、Mm. Uh, yeah, so、uh, I think that that question I don't have a final answer, but we want to make sure that we. 
do as much as we can to make sure all things are on chain. It, uh, I believe in the future, something will not be on chain. Like the voice function we use in our explorer, of course, it's not on chain. It's like from Amazon or whatever provider they do, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, for assets, like people own assets because they believe this assets is is useful. Like I buy a car today, I have to drive this car in my city, another city. It like you cannot limit my my use of my car in only one area, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we call ourselves recursivers. We believe if we do anything about metaverse in the ordinal space, we have to use recursive protocol. Mm-hmm. No matter it's for the asset itself, like the BRC420, if you see the standard, that it's all using recursive protocol. Or you are trying to do something as like we call modular development. So if you inscribe a gameplay and others can use that gameplay, not mm. to you know spend time doing that, use that gameplay as a module and by paying you royalty to build a game. Mm. So building a game could be much easier. We have done that before in Web2. So you use all people's modules to build a game for yourself. It takes you like one hour, two hour to do so. So it's easy for everyone. And this kind of like mechanism actually bring more and more innovation because yeah. not everyone yeah. is like a full stack like developer sure. you're yeah. always good at one point yeah dude that's such an interesting sort of outlook for the futures where yeah. you're envisioning developers and creators to contribute to the collective construction of the metaverse by you know inscribing all these like modules like you're saying yeah like packaging I guess like maybe like ubiquitously expected like yeah. functions within these game environments, right? Like, right. hey, you know, I have a ball in my space. I, I want to be able to kick it. Yeah. And when I, whenever I do, I hit the interact button like you do in a Roblox, right? You can interact with objects. Yeah. They do, they perform specific functions when you do that, right? So right. it'd be nice if I can apply that in, in as many cases as possible, right? So what you're advocating for is like packaging that functionality into something called a module, right? And inscribing that that knowledge base hmm. into like leveraging Bitcoin as like a library for all these different templates, right? Yeah, uh, and that happens all the time, Web2. Like people just don't realize that. Like, uh, have you guys played Dota before? Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't even get it. Dude, we got, I got a 10K plus hour. Only 10,000 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right like here. Dota is like... Like created by a by a, by a nobody called Ice Frog, right? Using Warcraft editor to to, to do so, and also like Counter Strike, oh. it's made from like a mod from the Half Life, yeah. yeah. And uh, like all these like all the great games are the ideas from an independent developer. So m- myself, I believe in independent developers, not big guys. All the great stuff are from them. Yeah. So if we have this kind of mechanism that yeah. you can actually inscribe your modules. And the people can use that. And also you will get paid by them using your module. So everyone benefits and we will see much, much more innovation after that. Yeah. Are I, those are those modules um, based on like a, a particular engine or how, how, how would that work exactly? Yeah, that's a great question. So that's why we have to pick from like what kinds of standards. So if you're using Unity, your module probably is different from Unreal 5. Okay. So... Yeah, so that's why we are, we have to bring something that universal for every uh, builder. I Roblox see. does that very well because they're using Lua. So Lua is kind of great language that, you know, you can use Lua for all kinds of purposes and it's easy of use and easy, easy like, like to learn. I actually can can build a game um, with ChatGPT by telling me how to do Lua coding. Mm. So some like I don't want to go too deep into this, mm-hmm. but we need a universal standard for it and it's open source. Hmm. 
do we do we have an option like what's what, what would you if you had to pick an open source engine for bitmap or, or yeah just bitcoin in general is there an option out there or is that something that we need to build out you know, from the ground up uh i think godot is a great option i think that's the best option godot interesting yeah. have you guys heard that before yes heard of it? I, i've heard of it um yeah w what about 3js uh 3js only you know they can only build like web-based kind of game okay. or you know they don't like like have like rendering and uh lightning like more uh sophisticated features okay but godot is open source it's free for everyone you okay. can inscribe that on orinox and uh you know like so like even sony they have triple a games by using godot so i think it's competitive it's good and it's free interesting okay that gives me a, a, a lot more food for thought because we have to come up with uh like our own like uh development standard um for what we're trying to build because uh, if you know anything about us um we we like to focus on the application layer of the metaverse and so we've been doing this on decentraland and we want to bring this to um to bitmap but uh but it needs to be done on top of an engine and mm -hmm. you know we're tinkering around with like unreal and like 3js and all that and um we haven't really got into go uh, godot just yet but we're we're gonna have to now mm. after this conversation so does it boil it down to just literally just whatever that because you're right you you said there has to be a universal standard or i guess there doesn't have to be but it would be beneficial to, to all start. developers yeah if there was like a, a, a universal framework to start building content right yeah what, what's important about this is that if there was if we let, let's just say uh godot gets inscribed onto bitcoin Mm -hmm. That gives all developers and creators who want to build on top of Bitmap a starting place to build out their environments. Yeah, and uh, without that, then we're all just kind of like flailing out, well, out of the water. That. We're seeing that right now. Right? Yeah, there's there's multiple, I guess, stacks. You know, Inscribe that space has their own stack. Yeah, IMSO Chris has created his own stack. Expector, beyond. Right, but the, no, but there is they're not operating under the same framework in any right. way. Right, they're not. They're, they're, they have their own interpretation as far as like what you know what uh what's better versus what's not, or maybe it's just something that they're comfortable with, who knows? But yeah. because this is how it's happening, we're, we're, we're re-experiencing the siloing, yes. even within the bitmap space, yeah. which bitmap was supposed to like solve this issue. We already see tremendous siloing in, in the Web3 metaverse space already, right? Where Decentraland, nothing that's built there is, it cannot communicate or, or be deployed anywhere outside of that walled garden. Same yeah. thing with Sandbox, same right. thing with Somnium. So we can't just keep doing that over and over and over again even on this opportunity that we have called bitmaps where we have a you know yeah a cohesive a a starting shared, point yeah a shared building space yeah right so this is actually huge what you bring up yeah um, as far as like this is probably yeah, can i jump in here yes, for a while yes, yes. yes so like i don't like the idea of a universal standard it sounds like you have to learn our standard mm -hmm. so what like our job is we actually make like tens of different coding languages compatible with that open source engine. So no matter you are using JavaScript uh, or the, the, the C sharp from Unity mm -hmm. or C++ or Lua or Python, all these languages you are familiar with, you can do that with that open source engine. So it's universal standard. It's not like something you have to learn from zero. Like, like all developers hate that. Like if I want to learn a new language, it, 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 will, it will kill me, right? It, it, 
it takes like months to learn how to do that. So you can still use language, the tools you are familiar with, but you you just have to be compatible with that yeah. kind of standard. Mm. So that's our job to do. It's a long way, but we believe that's the right answer. Yeah, yeah, it's a long way. That's I think that's important too. Because so, are you saying with Godot you can use any language that you're familiar with, C sharp, JavaScript, any anything like that? Yeah, we have already done that. Yeah, like a year ago. Okay. So is that something that you did personally, or is that part of the collective uh, development of Godot? Uh, uh, Godot has done some of it. Uh, I think it's open source because uh, someone like like anyone can you know post this kind of proposal in their platform. So some people have done some groundwork, but it's not working very well because it's it. It's a small community and people okay. don't do that by get, uh, getting paid. So we have actually upgraded this and make this more you know, user-friendly for all these developers. Uh, we have been doing that for years because we want to do that on Ethereum. But since we don't like the Ethereum chain right now, so we actually bring this <laughs> to Orinos. So actually people can see that for the first time. Uh, we haven't published yet, but uh, we haven't been building that for years. I have two questions. Um, can, you, can you give me an example of a AAA game using Godot? Yeah, uh, this uh, I think Sony, the Japanese company, uh -huh. uh, they have a game um, based on Sonic. Ah, okay. Uh, it's on PS4, it's on PC. Okay. Uh, it's 3D. Yeah, it's built by Godot. So, do you do you believe that um, inscribing an engine is that the do do you think that's like the biggest problem to solve right now um, uh, for for bitmaps? Uh, I don't think inscribing the engine is is the main thing to do. I think it's getting people realize that we have, like realize the idea of this kind of okay. universal standard interoperability, this kind of idea is, is important. Okay, so basically if we had more exposure to bitmap to creators and developers, they would, you think that they would inherently sort of understand the the opportunity here, kind of like, like we, we did on this call. Like all of us, we knew how important bitmap was as soon as we saw it. Yeah, I think, like more talking, more space, of course. But uh, uh, as a builder myself, I believe we have to make some cases. Yes. So if we have some really successful teams yeah. coming from Web2 or other chains can okay. actually adopt our standard and yeah. build some great games here, and all these great games assets can be interoperable. So people can actually like realize or experience it. Like the experience is very important. So if you have that car in that game and you can drive that car in another game, mm -hmm. that kind of experience will let you know, okay, this is important. Mm -hmm. Because people, like most people cannot imagine the things they haven't seen before. They have to see it first yes. and then believe it. Yeah, such a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's like- uh, so we could, Yeah, we could talk all day about this stuff, but until we have a showcase demo demonstration yeah. of not only how it functions and how to leverage it, but also like, yeah, the, the, um, the success of it when it's actually properly manifested, right? Like that's critical. Yeah. And like, and the most common example is if you were to ask somebody, you know, 120 years ago, what they wanted, they would have said they wanted a faster horse. Yeah. Right. They wouldn't, they wouldn't <laughs> say that I want a car. Yeah. Right. And so and not until you show people what's possible, um, they're not going to want it. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, I see. So how do you, um, how do you so when you take an engine like Godot, like how do you know what to parse from the engine to like be able to inscribe? Because you, you're going to have to do it in pieces. Like, is there a ton of engineering that you have to figure out here, or is it more straightforward than I'm I'm thinking? Uh, it's it's way complicated than okay you can imagine. So take yeah. some time. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So assuming that it gets accomplished, right? 
that means in order to uh, invoke the Godot engine, um, you would have to recursively inscribe to multiple pieces of, of Godot, right? Yeah, and uh, when you're running this client on web or whatever client you're running, uh, you have to load in this inscription first. So everyone has the same environment, same framework. I see. So they can render and run assets. Yeah, I can see that this is being a big challenge. But once it's done, then we got a starting point, mm -hmm. right, for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't necessarily mean it's the, the best starting point or the correct one, but it's completely on chain. Yeah, but so is this not an effort that can be, again, like... Um distributed as far as like yeah you know it's how would you coordinate yeah yeah how, how would you coordinate something like this uh what do you mean well it's where it's not just you guys or you since you're proposing this idea like it's not just your team focused on this initiative yeah. how do we how do we create like a, a collaborative community of developers who can contribute like, contribute to the, the parsing oh like, yeah all this stuff yeah i think um we have like several approaches so first, I think showcase is actually important. So if we have, like, we are very close to these GameFi teams, Metaverse teams in other chains. So we will have like some people coming here, like Animoca, and they have the showcase. So everyone's having fun, and uh, somehow people are making money of it. I think that's important, to be honest. Yeah, sure. 100%. So when people are having fun and making money on it, they will try to figure out so, so why yeah. we are making money on it. So then we give them the answer because it's interoperable, it's composable. So they will take the bite and think, okay, only these kinds of assets can be important or valuable in the future. Yeah. That's approach one. Second approach is we're having like like we see all these independent developers, like 8-bit, like uh, like Sam, we see all these guys in Ordinals. If they are doing things with our editor, with our engine, with our tools, and they start making money on it, mm -hmm. so more people will come. Like like I said before, I believe in the strength, the energy of these independent developers. Yeah. So this is another approach. So I think we we have several approaches, yeah. but um, I think showcase is is definitely important because like people cannot understand your ideology until you show them mm -hmm. the work. So what would you say is an MVP experience uh, of, a, of a good showcase? Like what, what in your vision would be like the end goal to really exemplify the accomplishment here? Uh, I think when you have some like some products that people actually use every day, like I said before, okay. marketplace, social okay. marketplace or social games or monopoly, we are building a monopoly BMAP games. Hmm. So people can actually go there like make friends, okay, that's not for money, right? Mm -hmm. And you can buy stuff. And also you can have a, like a PVP game, like a money game, like uh, okay. against others and make money on others. Sure. So I think we'll have more showcases, more small games, but all their data or all their assets are connected to each other. Yeah. So people will realize like, okay, this is very easy. Like when we're using Facebook login with Instagram, with 100%. all these products yeah. and sharing all our data and social graph, people will think, oh, this is easy. Like I can send a message to this guy and he will receive it on another product. Yes. Or I can invite this guy to my game room when they are playing another game. So when they see this kind of, you know, very smooth, riff, like the flow is very good, they will realize, okay, this is kind of product we're building. Mm. Hmm. Okay, <clears throat> Let, let's let's get into a little bit about the um, the standard of what it is you're kind of you've already put forth with BRC four twenty. Mm -hmm. um, I guess like this is how, how are you laying the foundations to this all by with with this specific standard, and um, you know what is it you're trying to enable with it? 
Yeah, the PRC 420 have two parts. The first part is about the metaverse standard. Like right now, if you read the Git book, it's very easy with 2D right now. So everybody can read that and uh, build a, a pad, a sports car, an avatar, a sofa, a computer, a radio uh, on our BMAT Explorer. So it's very easy. But that will get like expanded like in the future, of course, with our open source engine, with editor, with 3D games, even VR game. So that's the first part. Uh, the second part is about the royalties. So like when you are like playing the inscribed space, like people will, will, will ask, so who will inscribe the original uh, inscriptions? Because it takes like so, so much money. Like when you inscribe like some on ordinals, it takes you like 500, even thousand dollars to do so. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if people don't want to inscribe these kind of things, we will never see innovation based on that. Mm-hmm. So we want to encourage people to do that by, you know, inscribing good stuff, meaningful stuff, cool stuff, and then getting paid of it. Yeah. So that's why we have an on-chain royalty uh, protocol. It's fully on-chain. It's not OpenSea or Magic Eden kinds of royalty program. It's fully on-chain. So when you inscribe something meaningful and you can put a label on it, like if you want to use that, recurse that, you have to pay like $10, $5, $3. And it's not something you have to because everything is open source on Ordinals. Like when I was talking to Casey, like he was like, Okay, Jeff, it's a great idea, but why would I pay something if it's free? I say it's not something you have to do. It's something you show your gratitude. You show your like encouragement to these guys by doing so. And all the indexes will label this as a paid royalty uh, product. Mm. So when you do that, it takes you like, like less time, less money, and encouraging more people to building modules. So that's the second part of the BRC420 uh, protocol. Interesting. Hmm. So it's definitely like... um. <clears throat> there's nothing like technically that's enforceable, right? As, as far right. as like a, an on-chain uh, royalty payment mechanism, right? You can't, you can't, um, yeah, you can't automate like the enforcement. It's more like building the culture around this idea of supporting creators, supporting this this economy, right? And then allowing the indexers to proliferate that to the end user, right? And the, of course, the platform builders. Figuring out how how best to leverage that to onboard their own, I guess, um, consumer base around this idea, right? Yeah, of course. And uh, I think it will be like accepted by most people uh, because mm-hmm. if you do like a creation, you want to make sure all the stuff you uh, all the inscription you curse is yeah. like legit, which means yeah. paying the royalty. Because when people see that not legit, mm. and of course we have more partners like Magic Eden Unisat, they will adopt the BRC four twenty protocol like in a very very near future. So when you see that work, it says okay, this is, uh, inscription has a royalty uh, deployment, but you're not paying that. So yeah. it will make you look bad, right? So I think most people will accept this. I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and we're sort of used to this with open source uh, development. And um, a lot of it is by donations. Mm. And people do like to donate, especially if they're leveraging, you know, heavily that that pro- yeah. product, I guess. And I think in this specific case, like this is for one perfect timing because, um, you know, the JPEG NFT space has, for whatever reason, I guess, gravitated away from this culture, mm-hmm. the, um, cultural model. And you know, favoring the degen traders over the, the the creators of of this art space, so I think now is the perfect time, I guess, to maybe potentially migrate that culture to the metaverse space. You know, the three D builder, to whatever you want to call it, in, in this um in this specific arena, but also um just the content itself, I guess, by supporting a creator with this royalty standard, you're kind of 
you're going to have higher expectations, I guess, down the line, knowing that the creators who are generating this content, they're going to produce even better content down the line or potentially even like, you know, upgrade the content yeah. that they've already put out, you know, that these people are buying. Yeah. Right. Cause there's, there's, there's a little bit of like maintenance expectations to, to content within the metaverse, much more so than like, you know, an image of a, of an art project. Right. Yeah. Most likely that, that, that content's never going to ever be updated or changed. But when it comes down to content in the metaverse space, like I think the consumer of that will actually expect pr prefer if yeah. something of, of, you know, maybe like an update to uh, the, the, the engine of that virtual space itself had, you know, upgrades and now that it's more capable let me adjust this content to kind of fit in within that upgrade. So a creator who has been uh, supported, I guess, by his, his purchasing base through, through the uh, royalty system is probably much more prone to make these types of upgrades, right? And uh, maintain the quality of the content itself. Yeah, so, so yeah. Jeffrey, talk about, uh, talk about the, the upgradability of, of like game assets and, and the, the sense like, like Iman was outlining an example where Godot goes through an update. Yeah. Like, how does that impact the underlying assets, like uh, across, uh, you know, leveraging that engine? Yeah, uh, that's great, great question. Uh, the thing is with like uh, uh, Unity, like if you're building with Unity before, you will know the like the pain in the ass is every time they upgrade the yes. engine. The, the old version is not working anymore. So when you're mm -hmm. playing games, probably this game is used like is using a very, very old version because they have like years building this game. So the great thing about Godot Engine is everything is open source. So we can do as much as we can to make these APIs or these kinds of uh, framework more compatible uh, in the future because it's open source. But it cannot 100% be done. But uh, but I think that will be a problem in the future, because after three or five years, we will see like I think we will see some thing of course upgraded by the Godot. But uh, uh, people can use that kind of environment to run new games. But for old games, we will have something like a patch to transfer the old uh, inscription uh, assets running or rendering in a new version. I think that can be done. But I think that's a uh, uh, a long question, like a long way down the road. Hmm. Yeah, because we, we struggle with this too. So we, we experience this a lot in Decentraland. As soon as uh, Decentraland doesn't give developers a heads up when there's an update coming. Yeah. All of a sudden it gets updated mm -hmm. and a lot of our content breaks. And, um, and so, you know, typically, we, you know, everybody came from the Web2 side. So in the Web2 side, typically when there's updates, you get kind of notified before it actually happens. But it didn't happen with Decentraland. So it was, we were always like behind the eight ball when it came to like supporting, you know, like the latest updates and uh, making sure, uh, you know, everything continues working. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, you know, how this can, can be mitigated and how it can um, allow developers to continuously improve you know, their development cycles without having to deal with like old engines being deprecated and like updating and all that stuff. So I think no matter what, it's going to be a problem, no matter like, you know, whether you're in the web two side or anything, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it is something to think about. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, but the thing is, uh, unity has like four versions a year. And uh, Godot have like like one version through three to five years, mm, and okay. every small version they they are like in in this three to five years is open source. So so I think we have 
like tried that before, the problem is like much, 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 much less in okay. this kind of engine. But yeah. with Unity, like every version, they're up. Like we're not noticed as well. We have to like spend months to like to study to learn. Okay, what's changed? Yeah, yeah. So that's like the real problem with Unity. Like they they don't even tell you like what's going on in their engine. Yeah, they can't even tell you. Yeah, because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, and they're all working on different parts, and then they push the update, and you know sometimes those different parts don't even communicate with each other. It's, yeah. It becomes a pain in the ass just yeah. to maintain everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess uh, man. Yeah, so we're definitely deep into like the metaverse infra, I yeah, guess, dilemma. You're, you're definitely teaching us a lot, Jeffrey, and yeah. and you're really um, you're really providing a different angle because you know we see a lot of the problems that that you saw like in the Web two space, and and then um, us spending our time in the Web three space. Like, there's a lot of similarities building a kind of like an experience in the three D realm, yeah. and and just like the virtual realm. Um, and then just applying that to bitmap and the whole concept of bitmap itself, introducing a new angle of development and like kind mm -hmm. of way of thinking, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's definitely a big challenge for anyone to create, um, anything, anything that's, that has like stickiness to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I wonder like, you know, in, in your opinion, what's the best way for, you know, the, the community to collaborate with each other? Is it, is it at the engine level? Is it at the content level? Is it creating, you know, the experiences? Like, how, how can we collaborate? Yeah, uh, I think uh, probably more, like other people have different ideas and with me on that question, because for me, I think delivering products is the most important thing. Okay. Like people talk about ideas and concepts all the time on like social platforms, yeah. but we are kind of being silent and trying to like deliver the products uh, because we believe that's the best way for users to understand or experience it. And if you keep doing that, like we have the marketplace on in five days, which like most teams cannot do that in like uh, several months. Yeah. So if you keep doing that, deliver stuff, I think at some point people will, will realize, okay, this is good. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, there's something I want to bring up. Um, sure. If we miss that, I think that's something like very important. We like besides like two parts I said before with BRC420. I think we're still missing one very important part, which is the financial module or the DeFi environment. Yeah. So people are like telling us to build a game like Steppen or Monopoly or Casino or whatever they are trying to do with BMAPs. And I think these kind of games will drive more people interest and understanding what BMAP is. But the thing is, we cannot do that on Olinos or on Bitcoin right now because uh, we already have a monopoly game on BMAP. But the mechanism is you have to send money to us. So when you win, you win money. When you lose, we take your money. But we didn't launch that because we don't want to do that kind of centralized mechanism because sure. nobody wants to try to send their money to others. Mm -hmm. But with Unistat's BRC20 module, with Domo's Layer 1 Foundation module kind of idea, we actually figure out like, like, like how can we do that by not taking your money, by making this trustless by everyone. Mm -hmm. So if we have that missing piece into BMAP ecosystem right now, and we have a much, much user-friendly editor or tools, people can actually do some money games. Like I'm not a fan of Ponzi games, but I believe most DJs have their ideas. So yeah. if we can provide this kind of ability, I think BMAP will be much, yeah. much more popular. That's such an honest take. It is. <laughs> you know, in this space, because I think we've kind of, 
we, we, we've been spending years trying to kind of like come up with our own thesis is like, well, what is going to be the, the killer app of the metaverse, right? Yeah. To onboard the masses. And I think I, there's a, there needs to be a financial component. Well, yeah, I think because we've seen that in web, at least from web threes, like historical perspective that, that t- typically tends to be like what generates a mania in this space, right? And you, you can come up with a new technology innovation all day. Yeah. But until you figure out the way, to, the, the financialization of that, and that, that onboards the, the degen demographic, first of all. Yeah. It, it really won't go anywhere. And we, we haven't really seen that in um, the Web3 Metaverse space yet. Yeah, not yeah. only that, Casey Rotemer, I think he made an update on, on GitHub, I think, where he was talking about BRC20s and uh, fungible tokens. Mm. And he came up with like six or seven different um, iterations of a fungible token and its applications. And one of them was a casino. Yeah. And apparently you can build a casino logic kind of esque with like the inputs and outputs of a Bitcoin transaction. Mm. And uh, so he's, he's thinking about that from like the, the fungible token perspective, which yeah. I think you can apply to the metaverse in, in many ways. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so you're, you're a hundred percent spot on, but, and I guess the biggest thing you're, 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 that's holding all of us back who, you know, cause we could do this obviously on the Ethereum side because we have smart contracts, right? We have programmability. We can actually build DeFi. We've actually seen, yeah, DeFi be deployed in Decentraland in the past, right? And right. um, we've seen casinos and yes. Decentral games and and GameFi and yeah. play to earn. All these things they do exist, and because there is like a robust enough of an environment to support that type of a development. So, um, you 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 identified um, Domo's uh, Layer One Foundation uh module. What so? What is your opinion on that in comparison to what I guess uh, the track team is doing with Tap, and you know both of them obviously have very like similar parallels as far as like how do we enable more functionality in these token environments and stuff like that. If you can't just quickly run down like your uh, your opinion on that. Uh, yeah, uh, we see like I see lots of solutions right now uh, with uh, Unistat module. Uh, with track uh, tap protocol, with the Bison Labs uh, uh, zk layer two, all these kinds of solutions. Mm. So for me, I think the first thing should be trustless. So if I am sending my money to somebody else's wallets, I'm not going to use that. <laughs> so and second yeah. thing is mm-hmm. it has to be user friendly. So we have seen lots of great ideas, but if it's not user friendly, it's not going to work. Like we have to make this this thing work, right? So right now, why I'm so bullish on this module kind of concept because I tried this and it's very smooth. It's somehow trustless because the assets are not out of my wallet. Mm-hmm. It's reading your OP return. So and uh, I believe it will be open source because they call it white box. So I think that's the only workable solution right now. Uh, with TAP, I love the idea of TAP protocol. But right now, I think we don't see a workable product. Like, I'm an Asian guy. I, I, I have to see the product first because yeah. that will make me more confident. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm also a dev guy. I know I can write like 10 different ways of doing that in idea, but only the best team can deliver the best products for everyone. Like Unis, like like Uniswap. Uniswap is not like the best techie guys, right? But they deliver the product and everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. So right now I think Uniswap module uh, is the kind of thing we love. And uh, we were trying to build a new module for games, for metaverse. So and we want like 
we said before, we want to provide abilities for builders. So everyone like me and you guys, everyone can build a financial game by using this module. And it's trustless. It's very user-friendly. It's open source. So that's something we are trying to deliver. Wow. Yeah, I, I really like this uh, modular approach just because it allows for composability, right? Everybody builds their own modules and other developers come in and they put the modules together into their own game mm -hmm. or own experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that is the right approach. Is there any place I can read more about modules and like your, your entire architecture kind of design? Uh, yeah, right now um, uh, we don't have it, and uh, I think Unisat they haven't published the full, you know, the full stack, the open source part. Okay. But I believe we will all have that like in the very, very near future. Yeah. Okay. And modular blockchain is like the one of the hottest idea in Ethereum right now. Like when we're talking to VCs all the time, yes. and they love the idea of modular blockchain. So I actually believe this is the future of any layer. Yes. One. Okay. Yeah, we, we need to look more into this modular concept because it, it's something that we sort of uh we, we sort of to a certain extent already are leveraged, but not in like not not in the way that you're explaining. Um, so I, I think that's very interesting, and and I think it, as a very decentralized approach, this this might be the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, we got a few more minutes left, Jeffrey. Is there any last words that you'd like to kind of tell the community something to look out for um, a next update for uh, Recursive IO? Yeah, uh, thank you for the opportunity, and I'm very happy to be here today. <laughs> so I think you know when you look at our Twitter, you will see like we actually you know bring new stuff every week, every month down like down the road, and people like our fans, our community members were asking about us like like when like when's the next version or when can we make money on your product. Yeah. So I think metaverse is a very very long way. Like Roblox has done like that building their engines for 10 years, for 15 yeah, years yeah. until they got IPO. Uh, I'm not saying we need 15 years for recursiveness, but I'm just saying sure. uh, it's not something quick and simple like printing money. Like we have all these printing money protocols like this and that and that. It's very easy of use. Everyone can do that. Everyone can make that out in like 10 minutes or an hour. But uh, we are taking another approach by building all kinds of frameworks, modules, um, products, engines, tools in that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And uh, when all the pieces are coming together, it will be very easy for everyone to use, to understand, to experience. So it's a long way to go. I, I, I encourage people to have more patience in like builders like us and uh, just follow us. And uh, we believe we have a bright future mm -hmm. in the next one, two years, three years, yeah. Do you think, um, yeah, well, yeah, the things that you're focused on and ourselves, the infrastructure stuff, you're right. This is a multi-year commitment. But do you, you know how the Web3 ecosystem environment works. It's everybody's already kind of like trying to predict what's going to take off in the next bull run that everyone's predicting is going to hit six to 18 months out, right? Just based on the rhythmic cycle of Bitcoin and all this stuff. Right. Havening's coming up. Therefore, bull market for sure has to come out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just like the, the prevailing sentiment of Web3 and uh, the DJs kind of like subscribe to these ideas. So, do you think like, well, I don't think the, the core infrastructure that's going to be needed to enable a mature metaverse, even beyond Bitmap, just in the grand scope of everything to where a, a majority of human population yeah. finds value in 
prioritization in these types of virtual environments. It's not going to hit in nah, this 18 next, months. <laughs> it's not going to hit within our bull bull cycle time frame, right? So, yeah. is there anything that us developers, us bitmap ecosystem builders, can provide? I guess that that does fit in within that time frame. That or are you even like not even worried about that? You're just you're only concerned about the infrastructure of the future. Yeah, uh, so that that's why I say showcases like for multiple times. I think like I'm not a perfection like kind of guy, so we always deliver like showcases, prototypes. Uh, so I think it's a long way, uh, but it's not like longer than like one year or six months. So I think we have more partners, more collaboration, more showcases, even smaller games like like actually having a shitcoin casinos in bitmaps yeah. like if you are going to have a shitcoin yeah. casino on anything it should be on bitmaps yeah. so, uh, so if we have these kind of things i think people will get excited yeah. and uh, we give the rights to the builders like whatever they want to build and we're just providing the tools dude i think he's right such a good point dude <laughs> Yeah, we struggle with uh, with financialization of the metaverse and like its necessary component, but we don't want to necessarily promote that so much because it sounds kind of icky. Mm. But I think it's a I think it's a fundamental point of like the cycles. Well, it's about attracting, I guess, liquidity to this, this yeah. metaverse page, and like you, we've already kind of all agree that that tends to be what what attracts developers to yeah, want to build right. and uh, add on to the ecosystem right to to extract their own value from it and yeah it sounds icky yeah but it is what it is we are all human beings right we operate right. under the same os yeah. and we have the same like hierarchy of of needs, needs yeah. right yeah. so it, it, we kind of have to play along that that understanding yeah and i don't think there's nothing wrong with that it's just uh yeah. it's a matter of you know who's going to build these primitives you're describing. Cause yeah, I, I agree. I, I already want to play in this shitcoin casino on bitmap. Like right. I, I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who's going to build it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love that Jeffrey. All right. Um, that, that's it. I appreciate you for joining us, Jeffrey. This has been one of those conversations really yeah. like allowed me to think differently about how we approach the metaverse. So I really appreciate you, Jeffrey. Yeah. Thank you guys. I think this conversation is much, much more content than I thought it would be. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. That's what we uh, like to do. <laughs> we are the content bringers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Appreciate it again. And um, yeah, we'd love to have you back on when you are, uh, you know, make more progress down the line. Yeah. Um, because obviously, like you're saying, this this metaverse bitmap endeavor is not like a open and closed case. Yeah. Right? We're going to be working on this for a long time. So anytime you want to come back on, just, you know, let us know. Yeah. Anytime that you want to uh, collaborate, like technically, let us know as well, like how we can help because we want to, we want to contribute. And I think you have the right approach here. So yeah. I want to learn more from you whenever uh, we can. And, uh, and then, yeah, let's just like work together to uh, make this work. Yeah. hundred percent. I will send you guys like the newest information or tools and just try it and just send me your honest advice. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All the links will be in description. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you, Jeffrey, for joining us. And, uh, and that's it for us. Until next time, we'll catch you in the next podcast. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Blockrunner podcast. Make sure you visit our website, theblockrunner.com, and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto. Also, reach out to us on Twitter at TheBlockRunner. <laughs>